Section 22 of Travels to Oaxaca by Nicholas Joseph Thierry de Menonville, an anonymous translation from the French. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. 21st August. This day the wind, which during the night had blown but gently northeast by east, at six in the morning, veering to the northeast, blew with greater force, and we advanced five or at least four knots an hour, and found ourselves in the longitude of Cape Nicholas Mole, latitude twenty-nine degrees, forty-nine minutes north. The sky was beautiful, a line of clouds branching in slips, fine as the flax which is spun from the distaff, in the direction north and south indicated, at length the speedy presence of the winds for which we sighed should they continue favorable but only six days they will carry us to cape francois i observed mercury an hour before sunrise in the constellation cancer twenty second august while running south southwest at the rate of five or six knots an hour the wind increased to such a degree that by five in the evening we were obliged to lower our tops and reef our mainsail at noon by observation we were in latitude twenty eight degrees forty four minutes and in the longitude of tortuga the sun rose through a red and lowering atmosphere at setting it was entirely obscured by vapor which covered the horizon in every direction at ten notwithstanding we had lowered our tops and top gallants we sailed at the rate of five knots the waves beat with a deep and hollow sound against the sides of the vessel and shook it by the violence of their percussion twenty times did they break over the deck and a violent rain falling at the same time we were fain to close the hatchways and put up all our deadlights i endeavored to sleep but in vain one could rest nowhere every billow threw the ship on her beam ends and not anything could be kept steady on the deck the sea ran dreadfully high our fragile vessel was now raised a hundred feet from the level and now engulfed in a hollow abyss while the noise of the winds and the rigging was equal to the roaring of thunder i wished much to contemplate this horrible scene but there was no keeping the deck and what in fact could be seen in a night as dark as a rebus we distributed brandy to our men who seemed in spirits and sang in the midst of the storm while we were a prey to the most alarming apprehensions at first i was inclined from this circumstance to conclude that the danger was not imminent but the solace of this fancy endured but for a moment i reflected on the nature of these beings so differently modified to us and blamed my first conclusion twenty third august day beamed yet brought us no alleviation for the tempest raged with undiminished violence the impetuous winds howled in the shrouds dark clouds overhanging obscured the whole horizon and the sea ran mountain high our crew were harassed to death the captain dejected our rigging slack and our sails in shivers everything in short made us dread exceedingly a night like that we passed while spite of some reddened clouds in the west toward six in the evening which we were willing to hail as a presage of a calm or at least an abatement of the tempest the winds seemed to redouble their force 
and a heavy storm of rain continued till midnight twenty fourth august this morning though the sea still ran very high the violence of the wind had somewhat abated it blew now from the south southeast on rising i distinguished a gleam of sunshine shooting through some light clouds and as the day advanced the sun showed itself at intervals and enabled us to take the latitude at noon which we found to be twenty six degrees twenty eight minutes our longitude was that of the western cape of maguana so that notwithstanding the storm as i had premised we had lost nothing of our longitude and on the other hand had diminished our latitude by nearly fifty leagues we steered east southeast certainly a bad course for had we directed the vessel to the south we should in two days had maguana under our lee and in three days after might have made the cape from which we were only a hundred and twenty leagues distant though i have made seven voyages at sea i never was witness to such dreadful weather unaccompanied with lightning and thunder the storm had driven from us most of the shoal of colonists which surrounded our rudder for of all their number remained only two small white pilot fish and two large black perch my parrot and indeed all my birds foreboded the bad weather by their agitation fluttering and louder and hoarser notes than usual i lost none of them my halap suffered so much as to make me apprehensive of its perishing but fortunately my insects and nopals received less injury than i expected my first object was the preservation of the former for i conjectured that i might meet with nopals in the king's garden twenty fifth august the wind blowing east northeast we steered south till noon when it appeared by observation we were in twenty six degrees twenty five minutes and on the meridian of the caicos the winds variable and light throughout the day twenty sixth august calms and contrary winds again fettered us to these seas it seemed as if we were never to be released from our captivity and as though the captain and pilot were in league to prolong it the last fault they were guilty of was in not making way to leeward by a west-southwest course we should it is true by this means have gotten lower down than maguana but by help of the southwest winds which afterwards prevailed we should have recovered our longitude and have advanced eighty leagues on our way it certainly was most vexatious to have been upwards of three months at sea and have run nearly two thousand leagues to fetch a place but five hundred leagues in a direct line from our point of departure at night however we had westwardly winds but so feeble as also on the two following days that we scarcely proceeded at the rate of a league an hour this however was a better fate than befell us on the twenty ninth when we had a dead calm twenty seventh august at nine in the morning this day we fancied we discovered a shelf a white band thirty troughs one hundred ninety feet english long was seen nearly in the direction we were sailing was this the trunk of some enormous tree such as is sometimes seen in the gulf of mexico was it some vessel which had capsized round it was seen a number of sharks 
and skimming about flocked a variety of sea-fowl whence i conjectured it to be the carcass of some vast monster of the sea the captain against my will as i regretted the loss of so much precious time steered towards it and approached it within the distance of thirty fathoms but at a hundred we already distinguished what it was by the putrid smell it exhaled one single piece of this leviathan appeared to be fifteen fathoms long besides which were seven or eight continuous but disjunct pieces from two to three fathoms in length the breadth of it was seven fathoms and its thickness besides about three feet which floated out of the water from six to seven fathoms it had been rotting no doubt a considerable length of time for it resembled nothing but a hide blown out misshapen and without trace of any form the entrails floating on the water like the filaments of molluscae extended in network the space of eighty feet many separate parts were seen about it at the distance of about twenty fathoms from the main piece we clearly distinguished the whole to be rotten flesh notwithstanding a greasy froth of dazzling whiteness floated all around some parts of the carcass were of a blackish hue and gore-like the whole undulated irregularly with the water whence i concluded that the bony frame was dissolved and that of course the monster must have been long dead but again to what enormous animal could these vast relics have belonged this is the province of our illustrious pliny to decide of him to whom is known the whole surprising volume of nature's grand productions this day the observation at noon gave for our latitude twenty six degrees twenty one minutes our longitude was the meridian of fort dauphine thirtieth august our latitude this day was twenty five degrees twelve minutes north our longitude that of the caicos at six in the evening a gale sprang up during the calm a flock of birds frigates gulls larry and boobies availed themselves of the pursuit on the part of dorados and bonitos of the flying fish to make them in turn their prey the sea was beaten and covered for the space of a league by the flying fish alternately in the air and the sea by the bonitos who pursued them and the winged tribes which caught these latter from the surface who has ever seen the king hunting in the plains of coisi mohuge or saint denis here game enclosed is driven from all quarters as into an enclosure the hunt is a hunt no longer but the field of sport a slaughter-house such was the hunt of the dorados and birds the aspect of heaven was through the whole night frightful here dingy clouds there gray were furrowed by incessant flashes of vivid lightning the wind southeast our course southwest by west thirty first august this day we were unable to take an observation the sky still overcast the wind less strong after passing to the south again veered to the east an unfortunate swell from the north had prevented our enjoying rest or comfort whether by day or night for four preceding days first september this day at noon we found ourselves in latitude twenty five degrees twenty four minutes 
the wind constantly east southeast seemed regular and continuous we hoped to see maria juana as otherwise maguana but not succeeding in our expectations laid to for fear of running on the shallows some few drops of rain fell this day second september this morning we proceeded on our course at five o'clock and at six hoisted our square sail or sail of fortune steering west southwest to make the land at length at eight o'clock we perceived to windward some extremely low lands bounded by reefs on which the surges breaking rose to upwards of twenty feet these at least we computed as at four leagues off the breakers resembled the latine sails of fishermen we thought these islands the caicos and flattered ourselves with reaching the cape next day the land however turned out to be morguana as was verified notwithstanding the different opinion of the pilot and captain our joint observation showing the latitude twenty two degrees twenty minutes the exact latitude of morguana so many errors on the part of our conductors encouraged me to offer advice i recommended the captain to run on opposite tacks in order to reach the enaguas to windward seeing we were steering direct upon them he heeded me not but laid to what was the consequence at eight in the morning we saw little enagua it was mistaken for the caicos and we did not change our course at noon land land was called out some said it was tortuga some said the main neither were in the right it was greater inagua along which we were obliged to coast from east to west the whole afternoon in order to double it to leeward with the disadvantage of a wind in opposition to the currents in coasting along greater inagua entirely surrounded by shoals while from three to four leagues from shore we saw bottom ahead terror now was general and the clamor usual on similar occasions with spaniards served only to increase the alarm scarcely had we time to tack about this would indeed have been a wreck in port and thanks to the drunkenness and inexperience of our pilot who notwithstanding reckoned himself a very clever fellow we were in this instance placed in greater danger than we had experienced before throughout the whole three months of our voyage fourth september the wind blowing strong from the northeast we kept under sail all night and in the morning by ten got sight of the headlands of santo domingo at noon i recognized point jean Horval and cape fou to the southward i was exceedingly affected for i had reckoned on reaching the cape that day which it now was impossible we should do while the wind blew from the quarter it did the vexation prevented my eating any dinner the captain noticing this inquired the cause with much solicitude and kindness i seized the opportunity presented to me by this question to entreat him to land me at st nicholas mole offering to pay all the charges of anchorage and port dues his compliance might occasion he was grieved even to tears at the thought he said that the moment was at hand when we must separate what observed i did you then imagine we were never to part have we not through the whole course of life constantly before us examples of separations 
in all men from every object of their fondest attachment separations which every one of them but precursors of others do we not see that nothing is durable nothing stable alas my friend this is an established law to which of necessity we must submit either with good will or perforce you have been kind to me in extreme the task your generous heart prescribed has been most amply accomplished would to heaven i were able to render you still more essential services yes my future talk shall be to show my gratitude by every possible means the captain listened to reason and readily agreed to steer for the mole though still in melancholy mood soon however the pleasure of being on land earlier than he expected and of not having to buffet with the waves for two or three days longer which possibly it would take him to reach the cape in case the wind should not become more favorable unruffled his brow and we entered the bay of the mole each alike gay and cheerful as for me i was so pleasingly surprised to see myself on santo domingo that i rubbed my eyes and dreaded to wake from a dream my first care was to wait upon monsieur de la valtiere the king's lieutenant at st nicholas mole i informed him who i was and what the object of the voyage i had undertaken he loaded me with kindness sought how to render me service by every means and punished according to their merits some sailors who had given me cause of complaint i had here also the good fortune of forming an acquaintance with messieurs d'unterville and dumanoir of the engineer service who showed me the greatest civility i now wrote to the intendant of the colony but burning with impatience to reach port-au-prince without waiting his answer i availed myself of the offer of monsieur de vassal to repair thither in a king's galley which he commanded we sailed on the seventeenth september and on the twenty-fifth arrived at port-au-prince the intendant gave me a most kind and gracious reception he ordered payment of the two thousand livres due to me according to the direction of the minister and moreover gave me an appointment under himself with a thousand crowns a year the pleasure i felt at seeing my friends again the fatigue i endured on my voyage the change of air and diet all combined occasioned me a sickness of more than six weeks duration as soon as i recovered i wrote to my parents and friends i forwarded a relation of my voyage to the minister and dispatched the first specimens of the plants i had brought from mexico for the king's garden but all these were lost with captain gillet on his return from the cape whither he had come in the postilion of rochelle with the first intelligence of an embargo my spanish captain from whom i thoughtlessly separated myself at the mole while he was careening his boat without taking leave revenged himself of my incivility in a manner highly honorable to himself by sending me back a bill for fifty-four dollars which i sent him before my departure that is to say fourteen to repay advances he had made me and forty which i held it my duty to pay him for my passage i much regretted and still remember with the liveliest affection this excellent and obliging young man whom i never can think of without inquietude as since our parting i have not once heard from him 
notwithstanding his promise of corresponding with me may i never hear but good news of this youth to whom i was indebted for my return however accompanied as it happened to be with tedious toil and danger i did not enjoy the sweet arising from the success of my expedition without some bitter mingled in the cup i had effected a matter of public utility and could but become a butt for the arrows of envy still the shaft which struck the deepest and caused the greatest pain was an insinuation attributed to have been circulated by the spanish captain by a man so truly my friend that i had stolen my cochineal it was however impossible that any such like charge could have been made by the captain for separate from his being most affectionately attached to me i never had told him so but on the contrary as was the truth that i had bought them at four different places in mexico and i have such opinion of his honour as to be secure he could as little be guilty of falsehood as of calumny if it be said however that the captain might have committed such a double outrage for his own defence and in order to disculpate himself in the eyes of the spanish nation for being an accomplice in carrying off the prize i must answer that while at the cape he could not have been in a predicament requiring such procedure nor even if he were in his own country do i believe that any charge on such account could be alleged against him since however severe the laws which prohibit the exportation of dry cochineal there are none which forbid the transport of it alive there is not therefore the slightest likelihood that this dart was lanced by the captain no it was the poisoned javelin of a secret enemy some foe to my tranquillity or rather of some infamous miscreants who look on all that is meritorious only with invidious eyes and after all can it be imagined if it had been impossible for me to have purchased this precious insect an insect i was so anxious to naturalize in our country that i should endure the abortion of my project on account of a false and ridiculous delicacy most assuredly i should not any more than a savage coming to france in search of grain with which to enrich the land of his birth after such an avowal doubtless my testimony will admit of credit but more may be said have i at any time passed with any one for a fool or an idiot and should i deserve to be esteemed other in stealing a matter precious certainly in my eyes but which might be obtained for a mere trifle and in thus exposing myself to the attacks the mortification the obloquy which must naturally follow in fact what at the first custom-house could i have answered on being interrogated how i had got this production a lie in such case would not have been less dangerous than a confession hurtful i should have been exposed to the loss of the whole fruit of my travels and in the eyes of spaniards have incurred an opprobrium more painful to me than death i think i do not deceive myself with respect to right and wrong to have stolen the cochineal 
would in my opinion have been an act of social injustice as far as regards the cultivator whose garden i might have despoiled an injustice which i sought to avoid and i think successfully for by buying it i only committed a wrong against the nation from whom i bore it away now in my position i regarded myself as the prototype of a different nation on whom nature has bestowed the same prerogatives the same right to her favors and if after offering payment for the cochineal at whatever price might have been imposed all the indians to whom i might have applied had combined to refuse my request i should then have considered myself as in case of war absolved from the restrictions of social laws but in infringing them in carrying away by stratagem what had been denied to entreaty i would have compensated the individual towards whom i might be guilty of a real injury and have covered with piastres the ground from which i bore off my prize from the sentiments which thus with the utmost sincerity i have exposed let it be judged if i have aught wherewith to reproach myself were i to decide from my heart should i gain acquittal but on a subject so delicate and involving myself i must leave with others to decide end of section twenty two end of travels to oaxaca by nicholas joseph thierry de menonville an anonymous translation from the french read for librivox by sue anderson